Welcome to Sastery in the Making, the podcast that features the people who made the software world what it is today and the leaders who are shaping the future of technology. Here's your host, Matt Wallach. Okay, I have some questions for you. I want to know if you understand how important it is to be a connected company and what even is a connected company. I also want to know how do you scale from 10 to $100 million? If you're interested in scaling and not just getting a little bit, a little bit, but actually going, taking a 10x growth, 10 million to 100 million, we are going to talk about some strategies for that today. I am delighted to be joined by my special guest, David Hart. David, how are you doing? I'm good, thanks. Glad to be here. Thank you for having me. <laughs> Absolutely. I'm glad to have you. Let me tell you all a little bit about David so you know why he's here and a little bit of his expertise. David is the co-founder and COO of ScreenCloud. Now, this is a digital signage company. This is a really, really cool deal what they're doing. Really what it is, is they allow businesses to really easily control what shows on their digital signage and their TV screens around their office. I know you've, you've seen those out and about and you may even have those. So I'm interested to learn more about what they're doing. He's also the founder of CodeGent and previously the co-founder of Tepolo.com. So David, once again, thanks for coming. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. So tell me what's been going on with you lately and what's coming up? Yeah, I mean, we've, uh, COVID was an interesting, has been an interesting period for us, given that a lot of our, a lot of our customers use screens on, on walls in offices. But we've actually haven't, we haven't done too badly. We obviously felt it a little bit, but we kind of managed to kind of weather the storm and we're out the other side now and seeing growth coming back, which is really, really good. Yeah, so we're kind of really pumped for 2021. Um, we've done this year is actually we've done a lot of hiring, a lot of senior hires into the VP VP layer, just really kind of getting ready for sort of things exploding again in 2021. Wonderful. I love it. Well, how did you come up with this idea for Screen Cloud? And can you explain a little bit about what it does? Yeah, well, originally, so the three of us that founded the company, we used to have an agency, a, a digital marketing agency, and we wanted to put our key metrics up on the screen in a studio for everyone to see. So it's that kind of monthly, like, how are we doing against budget, that kind of thing. Sure. And uh, we just couldn't really work out a good way to do it other than spending loads of money on kind of buying proprietary hardware and things like that. So Luke, our CTO, said, oh, I'll just hack something over the weekend. And then he looked into it and he thought, actually, this is a bit more complicated or it could be a bit more complicated than I thought. And then from there, we kind of that was a sort of nascent product that came out. And as, a, as an agency, although we were working for clients, we were constantly doing side projects. And this, this originally was just another side project that sort of seemed to, it seemed to really resonate with people we talked about. To it. Like quite often when you, we said, oh, we've got this little product, people go, oh, yeah, that's pretty cool. And then, but when we <laughs> talked about Screen Cloud, they were like, oh, that's amazing. Like when that's done, we, we need that. That's exactly what we need. And so we kind of like, oh yeah, there's, there's definitely something here. And then, you know, obviously jump forward a bit. We, we kind of realized that if we wanted this to ever become the big thing, it had to become the main project. It couldn't be a side project. So we took the decision that we were going to focus all of our, efforts into this and sell our agency and get out of uh, out of our other sort of side projects and stuff like that. So that, that's how it came about. And I love that you just jumped in full bore, like sell the agency, we're going all in on this thing. I love that. Well, yeah, I mean, it, it obviously took a little bit of time. There was a process a, of us coming to terms with that. Like this has, mm -hmm. been, this has been the thing that's been paying our mortgages and feeding, <laughs> feeding our families for the last, you know, I guess it was probably 10, 12 years at that point. You know, do we really want to sell it and get out of it and, and put everything into this new project. I think we decided probably around the 10-year mark that we'd had enough of clients and we, we just wanted to do product. It was, it was in our veins. And so 
that wasn't a hard decision. But then I think, yeah, the process then of going from actually saying, right, we're going to get rid of this agency and, and then actually doing it and selling it and trying to sell it, trying to sell a company where the three founders were go- weren't going to go with it. That was especially difficult. But uh, yeah, it was, I mean, that's a whole story. But yeah, I think we, we kind of fantasized a little bit that we could probably do all these things on the side and have a portfolio of side projects that would magically become something big overnight or, or you know, down the line. And then I think we just realized, come on, guys, we're, we're, like, we're just fooling ourselves here. You, it, it takes a lot of effort and a lot of focus to get anything off the ground properly and give it the best chance it, it has. So yeah, that's what we decided to do. It really does. I love that you said that. It really does take a tremendous amount of focus, tremendous amount of effort and people pushing all in the right direction to get a SaaS company off the ground. But I love the story of you went from a marketing agency and became a SaaS company because when you're an agency, and I, I'm surprised, I talk with a lot of SaaS founders every year. I'm surprised at how many came from a digital agency because it's something that you're spending a lot of time on your clients. You know, you're really, it's really mm-hmm. intensive. You're really doing a lot of work, but you see SaaS and SaaS is beautiful because it can scale. Once yeah. you put in that effort, once you develop a company and get the right frameworks, the right processes, a great product, now it's just a matter of scaling. It scales much, much more easily. So I think that's kind of a, something that people see as an opportunity to get into the SaaS world. That's the beauty of SaaS. Yeah. And so often I, I see people who, who were doing what we were doing, which was like they're trying to sort of you know, put, I guess, spread the risk and say, well, we'll try a bit of this and we'll try a bit of that. And maybe we can, you know, and actually we did that a few times and we got, we got some reasonable products. They maybe peaked at about $25,000, $30,000 a month. And then that's it. They just, they just, they plateaued. And the reason was, was because we weren't thinking about it in the right way. We were just, we were thinking we've done all the work and now we'll just sit back and wait for that cash to come in. We weren't really investing any money or time or effort into it. So um, it was a scary time. It was a scary thing to actually sort of admit to ourselves, but it was one of the best things we ever did, I think. The other thing I think is we, at one point we were about to, earlier on, we, someone approached us to buy the agency and not really understanding much about the VC world or, you know, valuations or anything like that. Um, I think we were all a bit surprised at how little we would get for all of our efforts. And that was, that's a problem. We didn't have any retained customers. And there was that sense of like, well, what are we actually building of, of long-term value here? And, and actually, mm-hmm. it was tough. But conversely, I think we sold our first apps business. We've, we created a suite of kids apps. And we sold it to a PE company and it was like, wow, that was, you know, a multiple of several times the monthly recurring revenue that, well, it wasn't really recurring, but the monthly revenue we were getting through the app store. And we, yeah, we just saw like there's so much more in terms of the value that we could build if we just focused on, on, on creating a product. Um, so yeah. It's pretty fun how that works. So, you know, ScreenCloud is really interesting. I love it. I went through your website. You know, what are some of the most unique ways businesses are using this? What are some of the best practices that's really helping businesses move forward? Yeah, well, I think this is another interesting thing. So we came to this as a, from a purely software perspective into an industry that was really dominated by hardware vendors. And we were like, actually, we don't really care about hardware. We, we just want to create great software. And actually, I think what we, we didn't realize is that effectively, the industry was largely about just putting things on the wall, like JPEGs and videos. It's kind of like a bit like a poster, but it's but it appears on a screen. Mm-hmm. And we came at it a lot more from like, well, actually, look, this is a, this is a medium that is that's actually really useful. It's a way of surfacing the really important content. It's almost like the visual layer of your business. If you think about it in those terms, and the best things that we're seeing people do is like that. And you know, you mentioned at the beginning about connected company. It's if you can 
show content and the right content, you can surface it in the right way to the right people at the right time. How does that connect your company and why does that matter? So let's say you're a deskless workers. And by the way, 80%, I think 80% of the world's workforce is deskless, i.e. they're not sat in front of a computer. Wow. Only about 1%, I guess I'm I'm making that one up, this one up, but it's a tiny percent of, of VC investment goes towards software that is for a deskless workforce. Now, I'm not saying ScreenCloud is entirely for a deskless workforce, but you can see if you're a chemical engineer, for example, you can't chemically engineer from home. You're not sat in front of a computer all day, but you still need to see key metrics. And so that's where, where screens are really good. And what we've seen is just being able to, uh, these people are quite often are disconnected because they're not, in, they're not on Slack. They're not getting all that banter. And they're kind of disconnected from each other, but also from the customer, from the end customer. If you can show content that would make those people feel more aligned with maybe the company values, maybe they, they're kind of seeing how they're doing against other teams or other sort of uh, peers, but also they might have an under, more of an understanding about what they're actually doing for the customer. Maybe they actually see who their end customer is. Um, yep. That connectivity has a really big impact on productivity, on compliance, on kind of reducing turnover. And there was one company that we had, they just introduced screens to show performance metrics for a team that was, I won't say who the customer is, but they were basically, I guess, working in a warehouse. It, was more, it wasn't mm-hmm. super manual. It was quite technical, but effectively working in a warehouse. And they saw just by showing these performance metrics, they saw productivity double within about two or three months. And they were expecting it to triple within another three or four months. So wow. it's just, and all that is doing is just connect, it's just making those connections. That data already exists. But how can you use something like Screen Cloud to smartly surface that content at the right time and the right, to the right people? And we're playing with different ideas about this. There's like one is, as I say, the visual layer of your business, but a kind of nice go-to phrase we're using is company TV. And actually, if you, if you think about it in those terms, talking to a company and saying, hey, do you want to put your social media up on a screen in the lobby? That's kind of like, yeah, go and talk to facilities management. They'll deal with that. But having a conversation along the lines of, well, how about your company name TV? And it's all the data and all the content that you already have, but it's servicing it in, an, in a smart, intelligent and relevant way um, to show a vision. Yeah. So that kind of resonates. It's a different type of conversation and it moves it so far away from digital signage, the digital signage industry that we entered, which was, as I say, it was, you know, I want to put a JPEG up on a screen somewhere and um, it's a poster or it's an advert or something like that. Well, I think it's beautiful because I've all, you know, running sales teams having a scoreboard is huge. And I preach to my clients, make sure you have a scoreboard, make sure it's something that people can see. You know, I being old school had a whiteboard that I would write things down on and constantly have to update it. Sometimes we forget to update it and the numbers would be wrong. So I love the idea of a digital signage screen that actually just keeps everything updated. It's beautiful. And I mean, this is not a new idea, folks. Having a scoreboard, having this information definitely increases productivity. I go back to the old story of and I'm going to butcher who it was, Dale Carnegie's book, How to Influence People, all that. That's really, really awesome. In the book, there's a story about there's a steel mill. And at the steel mill, the steel owner was really upset. He didn't think that the production was very strong. And so he asked the day crew how many uh, steel reams or whatever it is. I'm definitely butchering. I don't know steel well, <laughs> but how many steel rolls they created that day. And they said, six. And so he took a piece of chalk and wrote a big six on the floor and walked away. And they were like, what? And then they left and the night shift came. And when the night shift came, they saw a big six and said, what is that six? Oh, that's how many the day shift did. Yeah. And so guess what? Seven were produced by the night shift that time because they beat it. They scratched out the six, wrote a seven, 
The day shift saw that, saw that the night shift had done a seven and they produced 10. So they went from six to 10 in the matter of a day just because there was a scoreboard, a very rudimentary scoreboard with chalk on the ground, but at least that. And so I've always seen the benefit of having scoreboards. I think this is huge what you're doing at ScreenCloud because I'm sure that type of productivity increase is all over the place for you guys. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I always like like liken it back to when you're a small company, when you're a startup, everybody knows everything almost through osmosis. doesn't matter if you're the junior, most junior person. You know the conversations the CEO is having with the bank or the difficult customer or the difficult, you know, the problem with supplier. When you get bigger, you get more and more siloed. And actually, you know, what that example there, you would you would know like how you did last week and you'd want to be, beat last week or whatever you were kind of measuring yourself by. So what would be great if it, you know, if we can use technology in a smart way that kind of makes it feel like you're connected in the way that you were when you were a small company, then you know, that can only be a good thing, I think. And that's what we're hoping to do with ScreenCloud. Yeah, I totally agree. I mean, I'm super impressed with what you guys have done so far. You guys have grown to a good number, nine or 10 million. And now that you've passed that kind of initial startup phase, David, you've gotten to a point where you're really starting to grow, you're hitting your growth phase. How do you see yourselves going from that nine or 10 million mark to 100 million? Because I think that's a big step that somebody running a company said, okay, I got from 1 million to 10 million. Now, how do I go from 10 million to 100 million. How do you yeah. see that playing out for you? What are your strategies? Yeah, so I guess it's probably worth just saying when we first started, we assumed this was going to be an SMB play because we were we kind of got in on the coattails of the media players that were emerging like Chromecast and Amazon Fire TV sticks and things like that. And we were saying, actually, you don't need this big, expensive proprietary hardware. You can just buy consumer hardware and we'll just sit neatly on top of that. So we assumed that that would be appealing. And it has been, I have to say, but we also found larger companies kind of knocking on our door going, we really love this. Like, how do we do this? And, and can we use, you know, higher grade consumer, or not consumer, higher grade media players? And we're like, yeah, yeah, you can, can sit across all of these um, systems. And, and then our investors also pointed out, like, guys, if you're going to try and grow like this, you're going to start, you're going to peak, you're going to plateau. And it's probably going to be around somewhere between eight and 12 million. Well, in our experience, that's where you, you're going to start to plateau. and you know, getting to $100 million, if you're only charging, say, $1,000 a year, you know, that's a lot of hard, heavy lifting. But obviously, if you're charging a million dollars a year subscription, then it's, I'm not saying it's easier, but you have to obviously win a lot less customers. So, you know, we took the decision two or three years ago that we really needed to, to work this, this out. And, then, and that started, everyone said we were crazy, but we decided to rebuild the product from the ground up, which wow. has been very, very painful, but it, it kind of needed to be done. Um, I mean, one of the things that we were looking at, we were thinking about improved security, building things like a, a GraphQL API. So developers from our customers could create their own apps that sit on top of our platform. So the first thing that we had to do was product. But the, what we're really doing now, I guess we're going through that process of, um, I mean, if you if you read uh, Impossible to Inevitable by Aaron Ross and Jason Lemkin, you know, the first chapter is about nailing your niche. And that's exactly what we're doing. We kind of, we looked at our customers and said, well, look, who are the most easiest customers to, to sell to? Like, who are the customers that just go, yeah, I just need that. And I need, I need the higher tier as well. I need the, to spend, you know, more per screen than other things because I need all those features. And what we, what we realized that actually high-tech manufacturing and engineering, especially because they have a lot of deskless workers, because I said earlier, you know, chemical engineering, you're generally kind of working with chemicals, just sure. looking at a desk. And secondly, I, they also are... I guess, less impacted by COVID because, as I said, you can't chemically engineer from home. You have to go into a 
an office or, or laboratory or something. But we've just found that, yeah, generally speaking, there's, there's way less friction. They're really keen to expand, virtually never churn that group. So we kind of decided upon that as our you know, ICP, our ideal customer profile. And so really then, you know, our efforts now, we're, we're thinking about the business in two different ways. We've got the machine at the moment that works well for the, for the kind of smaller, self, largely self-serve, light-touch uh, customers. And we continue to finesse that, but that's pretty good. We've got that pretty well under control. You know, we've got our cost per acquisitions right down. I mean, they're more likely to churn, but we can manage that churn. We can anticipate that churn and we can try and mitigate it. And then this other group, which is where we see our growth coming from, is it, I mean, we're still going to grow these smaller companies, but it's really going upstream to these bigger enterprise customers. That's where it's, the growth is going to come from. And what we're seeing is over time, our, you know, the proportion of our revenue is coming from these bigger customers. But yeah, so really the kind of experimentation and the kind of learning. And as I said earlier, you know, we've hired some senior people who've got experience of scaling in that area. And typically we've looked for people who've, who've kind of done it before. So not necessarily got to 100 million, but certainly got considerably further than 10 million. And yeah, so it's, it's really now about how do we absolutely nail that niche to, to coin a phrase? You know, what, how do we understand more and more about this customer? Like, you know, we know that they want to put secure dashboards up on the screen. That's a, that seems to be a thing that's universal and, and secure is, is, is a key thing there. So we've done a lot of work on how, to, how do you get something like a business information system like Tableau? How do you open that up and put it up on the screen without basically opening it up to the world. So we've, we've got a really smart, secure way of doing that, where, which means that even if someone pulls the media player out the back of the screen and takes it home, they can't ever get access to, to the data. So yeah, that's taken a long time to build that. But you know, although we know that they want to do that, we need to know more. We need to understand what the real pain point is. Is it, is it, why do they need that thing? Is it about productivity? Is it about compliance? Is it about an early warning system? These are all the different things that we've heard from our customers. So, you know, a lot of learning, a lot of sort of founder outreach as well. I, you know, this is one of the things that I've kind of been surprised. As you, as you hire more people, you kind of think as founders, you're, you know, you don't have to do the dirty work anymore. But I think when it comes to this sort of thing, it absolutely has to be founders hustling, using their networks. Can you introduce me to this person? Can you introduce me to that person? Even if you're not actually ultimately selling, but it's about learning. It's about really sort of saying, I, I need to get inside these heads of, of these engineering companies, these manufacturing companies, and, and understand why they need to show this data, what, what's hurting them, and what does this data actually you know, solve for them? So yeah, that's really about how we're doing it. I think it's, you know, there's no silver bullet. It's just hustle, keep going, make sure, you know, never accept that uh, you, you kind of think you know it when you because you probably don't. I mean, unless you've literally worked in that industry for 10 years, you know, it's just constant, constant learning and doing as much as we can really to to find out as much as we can about those customers. Yeah, I love it. There's so many things that you that you said in there are such gold. So I hope everybody goes back and kind of replays what you said. One of the things I really like is, hey, there's other people who have done this. Let's hire them. Let's get them on the team. Let's get them as advisors and let's have them help us get there. You know, Tony Robbins says the quickest path to success is to find what someone else has done well and model off of that. Mm. So why not use somebody who has already done it? A lot of my clients, when they start with me, they say, hey, you've done this before. We want that. Just show us what to do. And it just makes it so much easier than just trying to bang your head against the wall, trial and error this, try that, try that. It's yeah. so, so much more difficult when you do it that way. So I love that you that you said that. It's really critical. You know, because it depends whether people feel they've got time to learn on the job and we, we just don't. I mean, we're all under pressure to grow. Like if we don't kind of win, win this race, someone else is going to win it. You know, if we, 
as I say, we're kind of maybe moving towards a, a kind of new category or subcategory, which is more around this kind of customer TV thing. Yeah, I think as founders, you you quickly reach your extremes of your of your experience and your expertise. And yeah, you can you can hire kind of junior people who are who are you know you think oh they've, they've got loads of potential and they can grow into the job. But then who they're only going to be as good as you. And you don't know everything. So yeah, if you can find someone who said, like I was interviewing someone the other day for a product marketing role and she's brilliant. She basically she said, like I joined the com- my current company when they were your size and now we're four times as big as you. And in that time, I've grown my career as well. And what I really want to do is now, knowing everything I know now is basically go back to the beginning and, and then do it with a new company. And that is absolute gold dust. And it's, it's part of the reason why as a British company, I'm planning to move, well, I should have been already moved to America. We've got our sales team is, and marketing team are kind of largely based in America. Most of our customers are based in America. But actually, I found for those types of roles, that they're, they're easier to recruit in, in the US because there's more c- companies that have literally done that. But you know, there's plenty of people in the UK that have got great experience and are working in SaaS, but fewer who've actually then you know, what in the, in five years' time in the UK, it'll be fine. But right now, you want those people that have done that and, and have already kind of scaled beyond where you are now. And that, sure. as, you, as, you, as you get bigger, that pool becomes smaller. But I think, it, you know, just in our experience, whenever we've done that, we've, it might cost a bit more. And, you know, often you're paying people more than you're paying yourself. But man, it's really worth it. You just get to go so much faster and you avoid the mistakes, the rookie mistakes that you probably would have made and, you know, you would have had to learn from and all those sorts of things. So, so true. Avoiding those mistakes is absolutely critical. And when you get bigger, the mistakes get uh, more impactful in many ways. So, and I love you said, sometimes you're paying people more than you pay yourself. Hey, as a leader, you have to understand that. You have to realize that if we're going to get to where we need to go to where we've laid out, this is our goal. We've got to get there. You might have to bring in an expert that might cost a little bit more and you Mm -hmm. have to get over your ego of, hey, they might make more than you at this point knowing that you're in it for the long game, (laughs) that you've got a huge potential down the road if something great happens. The other thing that you said that I really liked is if we don't scale now, somebody else is going to come behind us and do Hmm. it and take over. And this is so, so important for software founders to remember. I was actually in a discussion online with somebody a week or two ago, and they said, well, why don't why don't maybe they just want to be nice and easy in a lifestyle business? And I said, well, that's nice. You can definitely do that. If that's what you want, just to kind of have a steady stream of income, not really put a lot of work in, that's fine. I'm telling you in the software SaaS world, that is very difficult. And the reason being is because the barrier to entry has become lower and lower. Anybody can hire a dev firm. Anybody can recruit some developers and go out and create some product such that that barrier to entry means other people, if they see something happening that's a potential market that they can attack, they're going to create an opportunity to get themselves into that market and accelerate. And so if you're just kind of la-di-da, guess what? Somebody's going to come up behind you and take your market from you. So in SaaS, it's absolutely critical to scale, to get some growth and stay ahead of everybody else out there. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we've seen it. So, so when we first came in, we were probably the first, you know, company that was doing digital signage on consumer hardware, you know, on the Amazon Fire TVs. That's because they'd only just come out and everyone else before us had their own things. But now there's been loads of copycats and they're undercutting us price-wise and that kind of stuff. I mean, I don't think, you know, from what we know from our customers, you know, it's not, they're not as robust. The features aren't as good, um, that kind of thing. But, you know, yeah, if you stand still, they're going to catch up with you. And uh, it's not, 
that's another reason really why we need to go up, kind of go upstream and really think about, I mean, we've, we've had a mindset from kind of moving from units towards value. So we were selling screens to start with, and now we're selling sort of more of a kind of package of screens and services, professional services and that kind of thing. So it's, it's more about the value that we create for customers rather than, yeah, how much is this going to cost per screen, which is where we started. And that's, a, that's fine. You know, as you say, that you could have a very nice business doing that, you know, whether that, how long that would last for before someone came and eat, ate you up, I don't know. But, you know, there is clearly going to be, there's, there's people who want to sort of pay for that type of service. But for us, it's not where we want to be. We kind of see there's a much bigger game uh, here, much bigger play. And the other thing is there isn't really a brand in digital signage. There's not a MailChimp or a Salesforce or a Zendesk for digital signage. You know, I think we'd like to, we think someone's going to own that, that mantle and we'd quite like it to be us. Yeah. No better person than you, David. I've really enjoyed this conversation. I've learned a lot. I think that uh, everybody out there, I hope they've learned something as well. So this has been really great to get to know what you guys are doing at ScreenCloud. Uh, how can everybody understand or learn more about you and, and ScreenCloud? Yeah, well, obviously come to our site. So ScreenCloud.com or ScreenCloud.io, or you can hit me up on Twitter at David Hart or just David at ScreenCloud.io. Always happy to chat about this kind of stuff. It's, it's you know... Especially, I, I particularly, even though we're at 10 million, I particularly love this. Uh, I think the early bit from naught to a million is particularly difficult. And I think, you know, I, I'm sort of unofficially mentoring a few companies that are in that area because I just think it's such a, it's such a, it's, it's a, it's a fun time, but it's also uniquely difficult as well. But yeah, so I'm always happy to chat about anything like that. It's, uh, it's endlessly interesting and fascinating for me. Me likewise. I have a lot of uh, companies that I'm working with in that range too. It's just super fun I, for me when I was building my companies to that point. That's a really fun time to go from zero to one million uh, yeah. because you learn so much, you understand your market so well, and it's, it's just a fun time to, to grow a team. Absolutely. Well, cool, David. Well, I really appreciate you coming on. Thank you so much. Thank you. Absolutely. For everybody else out there, make sure you're subscribing to Sastry in the Making. We're always putting out phenomenal content. So make sure you hit that subscribe button. Thank you for coming this time and I will see you next week. Thank you for listening to Sastry in the Making. Join us next episode for another look into how today's visionaries are creating the next generation of innovation.